I love leverage. Yeah, I know. It's a little bit weird. Weird but true. As I go through laying out a framework for thinking about creating leverage that you can apply to your own business, then you'll see where I'm coming from. Hopefully. Come join me. Welcome to the Leverage Business Podcast, where we believe business success is about working smarter, not harder. Leveraging your time and expertise in ways that fit the digital age you and your clients live in today. I'm your host, Jay Allison, author of Leverage Consulting in the Digital Age and founder of the iSuccess Business Academy. And every episode, I'll be sharing insights into how you can apply the power of leverage to grow your consulting, coaching, or other expert services business and create true freedom and independent success with mindset, marketing, and money model breakthroughs. Because when you get leveraged, the sky's the limit. Let's go for it. Welcome, welcome everyone. I am delighted to be able to do this episode for you today. I've actually just run this as a workshop uh, for our ACES program entrepreneurs um, for Miracy, who I work in partnership with as a coach. And I wanted to share it with you as well, my trusted and loyal listeners. Um, It's a subject that I'm really passionate about. I love leverage. It's a core concept that I landed on A long while ago, as you know, I wrote the book Leveraged Consulting in the Digital Age and the theme of this podcast, Leveraged Business Podcast. Um, And it's just something that's hit me really hard throughout all of the 15 to 20 years of uh, working in a business with business owners that um, it really goes through everything that we do from leveraging your expertise when you first start up in business to every dimension of the business. So it's not all about infrastructure and building systems and funnels and teams. Creating leverage starts with you. And we'll talk a little bit about the framework that I created to help you think through this in terms of the operational and personal elements of your business. As some of you know, the focus in my own consulting and coaching businesses aligns on the goal of creating leverage, be that brand positioning, strategic marketing, operational improvement, and curriculum innovation. From leveraging your expertise to creating a product people want at the one end, across every dimension of your business, right through to using digital tools, outsourcing and hiring to get more done without you doing it all. Leverage is the central tenet. In a nutshell, I help people create leverage strategies and harness digital technology so they can work smarter, not harder, because that's what gives you the freedom to move to the next level of business growth. And when I do talks or presentations about next level business growth for professional service providers like yourselves, I very often get asked, what do you mean by leverage? And how I talk about creating a leveraged business right through to leveraged living, which begs another question. And that is, how can something like leverage in your business enhance your life? So think about, and if you're able to, write a note to yourself, what does leverage or leveraged business mean to you? Interesting exercise. Because we often talk about leverage, but we don't really think about what is it going to look like in your business, in your life. And so we go back to our vision and values. What's important to us and where are we trying to get to? Although your vision and values won't probably shift too much, the road to next level growth isn't a straight arrow and 
You won't get there by doing what you've always done necessarily or staying in your comfort zone. No surprises there, right? You'll need to keep exploring your personal drivers and ambitions as well as the capabilities and infrastructure you need. So I'd like to kick off with a very potted version of my leveraged business journey and then turn to where you're at in terms of stage of business and moving to the next level of revenue growth. Because building a leveraged business is a core concept I landed on a couple or so years ago, probably more years than I care to admit. Um, I was writing my book all about strategic marketing for consulting professionals because they were the type of clients that I was working with. Um, so not only did I do consulting in big organizations, but I also was working with regional um, growth, business growth programs. So um, there was a lot of, I was hearing about how hard it is, you know, as a solopreneur, as a, a small to medium sized business. And I realized that what I help people with is not just about marketing. It's about the whole end-to-end process from ideation to implementation to build a business as an independent consultant, coach, or other expert using the internet to reach more people. So everything I did after the book was practicing what I preach, so to speak. I leveraged from that book. Leveraging consulting in the digital age became like a repurposing volume for me to turn my content into blog articles, to talk around things, to go in deeper, to bring in client uh, work that I was doing to really fuel what I turned into then a podcast and having guest experts as well, because I had a lot of network um, building that I was doing. Um, And then coming into Miracy was really great because I met a whole load of other people that also had great ideas and insights around these things. Um, And I've been running that um, now for just over two years. Um, And all of this as well is driving people into my program, which is a little bit parked at the moment. I still have a few private clients, but obviously I'm working now with um, coaching through the ACES program, uh, which is a year long program. And so um, if you shop, you'll start to notice that the letter I is a very big thing for me. It's where the I success business academy comes in, the umbrella for the online education, coaching and mentoring that we do and the 90 day program, which is very similar to ACES. Um, And this is about the time Danny and my worlds collided and I wound up becoming an ACES coach and um, the rest is history. Okay, so that's a little bit about me and where I'm coming from and why leverage is such a big deal for me. I run a lot of different businesses over the past 15 to 20 years from my main consulting firm to network marketing, online education and coaching. And I must have worked closely with literally hundreds of small to medium sized businesses from all kinds of industries, as well as the big organizations. And there are some dimensions that always hold true. And this became the framework for leverage that um, that I'll share in a moment. But as I said, growth isn't linear. And that's where you have to step into innovation and make changes that are more transformational rather than transitional. And what surprises people is that it's not all about operations or funnels or building a team. It's also a lot to do with working on your entrepreneurial mindset and resilience when the going gets tough. And when we're doing things that are new to us, when we're stepping out of a familiar, out of our comfort zone, it's going to be um, there's going to be some resistance. And I think that's really where the coaching um, and community comes in. We talk about this often in ACES and it's about having good visibility on your marketing and on your financials, as well as the money mindset piece, too, which maybe we don't talk about enough. But when it comes to those next level decisions, you're weighing up risks and rewards. 
It's a bigger game than the day-to-day. So this is the context in which I want to explore some of the dimensions for success with next level revenue growth. So we have sometimes introduced this expert business roadmap that Danny created to look at the stages of business. So we've used this in our initial buzz calls on strategy and again, talking about the action plan, our OKRs. Now, when we think about strategy, we want to get clear on what we're solving for and what is standing in the way. So same as next level growth in many respects. How do you get from one level to the next? So one way to think through what stage of business you're at and look at the bottleneck for that specific stage is to use this kind of roadmap. So the roadmap runs from zero, which is like you need to create stable runway. You can't build a business um, on nothing. The level one is to get to offer market fit. Level two is around consistent marketing. Level three, scalable fulfillment. Level four, scalable marketing. And level five is where you start to focus on team and culture. As your business grows, your strategy shifts. And this is why many of our ACES entrepreneurs stay in ACES, because we help you navigate both growth and next level step ups. So what stage of business would you say you're at right now? Like one to five. What have you focused on in this sprint in terms of strategy and OKRs? What are you focusing on right now? Where are you trying to get to? Because once you're crystal clear on what the current bottleneck is, then breaking it is generally a worthwhile objective for your next 90 day sprint. And sometimes it takes more than one sprint. So in stage one, we're all about leveraging your expertise to get that initial product clear and to get that initial validation that your target market actually wanted. And once you've established you've got a viable offer and you've got a consistent way to get it in front of people and sell it, then from stages two to three is where you're looking to ramp things up. When your revenue is between 100k to 1 million, stage four is then all about moving the needle on the challenge of scaling up both capacity and marketing. Whichever you figure out first is going to propel you to the next revenue level. I'll come back to this um, with some typical timeframes, but it's very much dependent on what you're bringing to the table in terms of time, effort, skills and assets. Let's build up a picture to really understand the roadmap here first. So there's a course business roadmap um, that is a quite useful way to thinking about when leverage starts in a business where you're starting by productizing your expertise into a course or a program. So there's a pre-course stage, there's the pilot stage, there's the course building stage, and there's the marketing and sales. So you need to get that down and get that validated before you even think about ramping things up. For revenue, you're looking at getting to, you know, 2000 to 20K, enough to validate the course idea and people's willingness to pay for it before you put serious efforts into leverage and scaling strategies. And let's face it, many independent consultants, coaches and other expert practitioners have zero leverage in their business. They're either busy on delivery, working with clients, too many hours, too little money, and that's assuming they can get clients signed up in the first place and or they're busy running around doing all kinds of marketing and sales to bring in leads and new clients. This isn't helped 
if your business website is not designed to sell either. So there's some leveraging that can go on there. If you've just got a glorified CV, then there's little point working tirelessly to attract prospects to your website. If you don't make a clear call to action or an offer, if you've no means of capturing visitors' contact details or no structure for following up with them. So these things are really important to have dialed in. They give you crucial leverage. And even if you do get a prospective client to call you uh, to book a consult call, you're unlikely to sign them up if you don't have a framework for that call or you don't have anything tangible to offer. A lack of clarity, structure and competence punches massive holes in your business performance. Yet for my consulting work, coaching work, doing website reviews for small businesses, I see it all the time. So before you get to stage five and the leverage piece, copy, calls and closing, the three C's, these are really the key things to focus on. Until you're at capacity, focus on those things. That's the best leverage you can create for your business before going forward and upward. Then there are many, many ways to use leverage for scaling, either your fulfillment and delivery or your marketing and sales. So let's go there next. Let's look at this through another lens of scaling. I have a diagram, a model in my book, which talks about the scale model. Um, and that's to go from sort of solo team systems delivery to a fully leveraged setup. And there's three stages, really, that you have to think about. One is transactional, one is transitional, and the other is transformational. So the main thing I want to focus on here is the three T's. The transactional steps to growth are fairly straightforward. A lot of it is to do with um, freeing up time. So the strategies around that are more time-based. It could be to do with uh, talking about projects rather than charging by the hour. Um, The next one, transitional, is challenging in the sense that you're managing technology and potentially managing teams. But the transformational steps are a lot about online courses, digital products, hybrid programs. And when you've got the right people and the right systems from the transitional steps, it's something that's easily scalable and can push you to the next level revenue growth. So the big question comes next then, how to make it happen for yourself when there seem to be so many moving parts? So depending again on what stage of business you said you're at, you may be at stage one or two. And once you've got that product market fit, you need to get clear on what's predictably working or likely to work predictably and do more of it and intentionally work on creating leverage based on your zone of achieved development before working on your zone of proximal development. Now, there may be a number of things that are not working as well as you want to in your business. And that's true for every business everywhere. But most of these things will not move the needle in terms of revenues or profitability. So let them be suboptimal for now. The discipline at this stage is to focus on things that have the potential to increase revenue and or profitability by at least 10%. So let's roll up our sleeves and power up. I'm a big fan of planning. You fail to plan, you plan to fail, as they say. I'm also a big fan of playing to your strengths and harnessing your key enablers. So we're going to look at that. And you need to weigh up the options and then make a decision. That becomes your strategy. And then you lean into that. So you start with planning, start with an audit of where you are at now and what's predictably working in your business. A, how does your business make money today? B, 
What are the buttons that, when pushed, yield dependable results? And C, are you focusing on innovation, piloting or marketing something new, or on capacity building, delivering more of the same? One of the best pieces of business advice I ever got was find out the last thing that really worked for you and do more of it. If you simply double down on what's working and do more of that, then consider where the constraints are in terms of how big your business can grow, then that's the best starting place for leverage. And what would you need in order to be able to double down on what's working? You might also ask yourself this, what do you want to be doing more of or less of? And why is that important to you? So now let's look at next level growth enablers. What enables creation of products? Well, I think there's seven things on the list that will give you a really good enabling powerment for leverage. Number one is an intimate knowledge of your customer base. Sometimes we skip over some of that important research or we don't revisit it, knowing that the environment in which we're working is changing all the time. The second is thought capital, really making sure that you're honing in on your unique point of view. Sometimes when we talk about differentiation, we're trying to find that new niche or we're trying to find a new way of saying how we do things. But actually, just having a point of view can get you noticed. That is your thought leadership. Number three is around the quick ideation and cycles of of prototyping to find what resonates. It relates very much to that knowledge of your customer base. It's what fuels it. Have a hypothesis, talk to 15 people, you know, follow up with them. And, you know, if no one signs up for your for your new offer, then you realize you haven't done enough of that. And there's no leverage in that at all. The fourth enabler is to look into systems that can create leverage across the entire end-to-end customer journey. Often we pick tools that do this job or that job, and then we're trying to glue them all together, which actually undoes all the leverage the system and tools provides in the first place. So make sure that you're really thinking ahead to what kind of tools can you migrate to potentially that allow you to have a more seamless operating uh, procedure. Number five in enablers is to think about the customer experience and levels of service. This is actually something, again, that often gets skipped in terms of leverage, because if you're trying to differentiate yourself and you provide a similar service to three other people who someone might work with, then one of the ways in which you can add value and really stand out is in terms of excellence of service, both operational excellence and delivery The sixth enabler in my list is to really identify the key roles in your business that you can outsource or hire to take care of core functions. And again, I'll go through some examples of this later, but really think about the things that you're doing that really isn't best use of your time. The think about the things that you're not very good at, so they take you a lot of time and the things that you actually just really don't enjoy doing and you'd love to pass on to someone else. The final and seventh enabler is really, really important. And that is keep visibility on your key performance data and finances. So many business owners that I work with just don't know their numbers. And so it's really hard to think about where to find more 
power in your business if you don't know what your baseline is. And back to the idea of innovation, whenever you're doing something new, you want to avoid a strategy where you're changing more than one thing at a time. So you can have the same product and the same modality, the way that you deliver it, and a different audience. Or you can have the same product and audience and a different modality, but don't try and change two or three of them at once. Let's turn now to some key options. Three spring to mind, but you can keep using the theory of constraints to surface more possibilities for your business. If you don't know what I'm talking about with theory of constraints, then a great book to read is It's Not Luck by Elijah Goldratt. The first option for you is a transitional option, and that's to work on increasing lead flow. So you can grow your list, you can diversify your lead sources, you can experiment with launching. But the key here is you're aiming to keep interest and engagement up so that you're really building a connection with your audience. And you probably need to diversify your lead sources. You know, for example, how you work with referrals or local networking groups and speaking engagements, not just about driving traffic from content or social media. And think about what strategic partnerships could enable good lead flow. For example, could you partner with someone who's providing complementary services to the same target market? And if you do have a reasonable list, you need to experiment with launching things and seeing what resonates. Start with a blog post about a topic and see if people engage. People have gotten a little jaded with campaigns, so you need to put more into it. Just an email sequence might not be enough. Often you need a conversion mechanism like a workshop or a masterclass. It often needs to be a lot more compelling to stand out again, especially if you're selling something for the first time or you don't have proof of concept. If you're charging a premium price, you know, look at the competition and see what they're offering, see what they're charging and see what they're doing to engage their audience. And just because you have a list and doesn't mean that going to buy. We've all had plenty of good products ideas that we weren't able to sell to our list. And that's why you want to pre-sell before putting in a lot of effort into a new program. And just because your list didn't buy this time doesn't mean they won't buy your next product. But you need to be curious about why they didn't buy. The second option that I want to talk a little bit about for next level growth is also transitional, and that's increasing capacity. So we've talked already about starting with a time audit on your core functions. You also want to check in on your energy and creativity. And you want to think about where you can free up your time so that you can do some of this development work in your business. And the key here is keeping in a place of good mental health. So when you're doing a time audit, how many hours are you spending on business development, generating new leads, nurturing leads in the pipeline, making calls? or on fulfillment, or on R&D, or on administrative work, you probably need to be spending 25 to 30% of your time on business development to maintain existing revenues, to keep that flow. You also need to invest maybe 40 to 50% of your time. If you want to grow your business by double digits, you want to double down. And the more aggressive your growth targets, the more aggressive the percentage of time that you need to spend on business development, working on the business rather than in the business. 
If you're not experiencing business growth, then possibly you're not spending enough time on business development or R&D. If you are managing to spend the time and you're in a good mental health space, then well done, fantastic. But are you feeling a little bit burnt out, overwhelmed, a little bit stressed, a little bit on a treadmill? Your week is absolutely packed. So how is that overwhelm interfering with your ability to think creatively, to learn new things and problem solve? Or are you just kind of head down, get on with the job? If you decided that you need to free up your time, then make a list of everything that you personally don't need to do. Admin, fulfillment are usually the first to be delegated or outsourced. And then think about how you want to find people to do that work. Do you want to outsource or do you want to hire someone part time? Or are you going to go all in and find someone that can actually grow with you and do a range of different roles in your business? Now, the third level of growth, the options for transformative growth, is really one example I want to raise particularly because I see it a lot. And that's people who want to move from one-to-one services to one-to-many programs. So what can you do that your target market constantly want or ask for that can be productized? The key here is to plan how you'll manage the shift. You can go from 100% one-to-one and 0% group coaching to 75% or 50% and 25% perhaps on foundations-based courses. The key to leverage is going from, is not delivering everything one-to-one. So a good target can be shifting the balance and thinking about the time frame that you want that change to happen. I'm going to focus next on the key points of leverage, both in processes and people. It's possible to go overboard or not get started at all because you're imagining standard operating procedures for everything just so that you can pass it on to someone. Don't do that. Start with the key dimensions of your business operations. Your end-to-end customer journey and customer experience is essentially a pathway to engage, educate and enroll. And those of you who've got my book, or if you go on Amazon, look at my book, Leverage Consulting in the Digital Age, you'll see um, a flywheel circular diagram right on the front cover where the dark blue and light blue outer circles help you see this flywheel, this leverage marketing, leverage sales, leverage delivery with you right at the center. And then the engage, educate, enroll inside of that that helps drive everything. So only put systems or processes in place if it simplifies or reduces errors or makes things more efficient and be aware of your capacity constraints. If you have a system for delivery that's overwhelming you, then get that in order before you go looking for more clients because there's a quality issue at stake. On that diagram on the book cover is also an inner cog. It's very, very colourful and it goes from red to orange to yellow to green as you start to grow and scale. So this is essentially the full framework for a leveraged business. We're not going to go into this today and I've talked about it before, but just in terms of the three sections, there's a lot of leverage you can create by getting much more clarity on your messaging, your target audience and your positioning, how you communicate your offer. And that's the red to orange side of the wheel. There's a lot you can do around your pricing strategy and offer structure and how you package your offer, the amber to yellow dimensions. 
So just to be aware, the leverage stems not only from systems and scaling strategies, the green upper left dimensions, although that's where I'm going to focus on next. Let's look first at processes and systems. This is what you might term operational management. On the leverage marketing side, there are systems to streamline and automate your opt-in, your email sequences, and your calls to action. There are CRM, customer relationship management, and email marketing systems and autoresponders that do all that for you. There are tools that you can use to plan and publish content and schedule it um, across various social media platforms. There are systems to book meetings and manage follow-up. For leveraged sales, there's systems to invoice or take online payments. There's bookkeeping tools and systems. There's systems to track tasks. And on the leveraged delivery side, there's course delivery platforms that take care of all of your onboarding and support to students or clients. If it's clients, it's more likely that you'll be looking at a practice management system. So there's quite a few that deal with specifically for coaching type businesses or or for health businesses that are HIPAA compliant, for example. Some of these systems are going to be important to simplify and some of them to save time. And of course, ideally both. But things that come up and again and again, you're going to want to first start by nailing down some templates that you can modify. So these are things that, you know, you can really plan out yourself based on what you currently already do and hand over then to a VA so that they can get up to speed really fast. And one of the things that we often do as well is we have the document as a shared document so that it can it can grow and evolve. And obviously you can comment and discussion on discuss points on it. But you can also record little loom videos to help someone actually have a walkthrough of the process as you're doing it. So start doing that now. I mean, start thinking about when you're doing something, just hit the record screen. If you use a little tool like Toggle, T-O-G-G-L, you can actually track your time to task as well as record the screen at the same time. So it's really neat. So also look at this from the perspective of team and building a team and culture. And this is what you might call operational excellence. So when you get really big, you may actually want to have an ops and marketing type director to take care of a lot of this for you. But again, let's look at the wheel. Let's look at leverage marketing. You might think about hiring a content or copywriter, whether it's outsourced or whether it's in-house. You might think of someone that's really good at planning out campaigns or doing PR for you, for your business. On the leverage sales side, as well as the marketing side, you might think about a tech VA. If you particularly struggle with the technology and you don't have particularly strong technical skills, then maybe that's the area of support that's going to like propel you because you're not going to waste so much time trying to figure stuff out on your own, have things not work, etc. On the leverage sales side, You should think about customer service type roles, people who are client facing. So the people who might be in a consulting firm would be like account executives, but it's also people who can seamlessly work with a client from the point of sale to onboarding them and getting them up and running as a client. You might also, for leveraged sales, think about having an accountant or bookkeeper. If you don't have already, if you're doing it all yourself, then that's just something that's fantastic to outsource. 
And you might also think about a sales team. If a lot of your time is spent on calls with people, then it's really a good idea to think how to train someone in your process, your methodology, even if it means like having that first initial short conversation with a prospective client and then handing over to your sales team, to your account executive, if you like, to take the conversation to actual signing someone up. On the leverage delivery side, sometimes it's worthwhile having someone who really is all about setting courses up, setting people up on a system of some kind. And then if it is a course, if it is a program, then student support. Now, this might double up as your tutors and coaches if you hire other people to deliver. But it's also, again, that person who is looking after the client. So a client management type of role. And a course setup admin role is going to be very, very different to a client facing client management type role. So you won't necessarily want the same person doing both those jobs because you'll want to hire to the specific skills that they have. And very rarely do people have both the technical admin skills and front of house type capabilities. It's just not necessarily where their experience has been. I'd like to just dive a little bit into that seventh enabler, which was to increase visibility on your KPIs, on your key performance indicators. And there's five things really that I think a growth strategy needs to be backed by. And it's a lot to do with focusing on the bottleneck, but also the things that you can do before you start building systems or teams. So the first is, as we said, look at what's working. And for that, you're going to need data. You're going to need customer journey, data analytics, lead sources, traffic numbers, opt-ins, engagement, numbers of calls booked, conversions to sales, that kind of thing. So across the end-to-end customer journey, know your numbers. The second is all about gross margin and profit centers, which sounds really complicated and it's worth doing kind of a little bit of um, research and learning in terms of financial management. So you want to make sure that you're reviewing every month and analyzing trends, you know, knowing like where to draw out salary. So the third thing is to pay yourself first, you know, take out enough money to live the life that you want to live now and certainly invest some of it back into R&D, back into innovation, back into leveraging tools and teams type of strategies. But, you know, it's really hard to stay positive um, if you're struggling for money yourself. So that's a really important part that not many people talk about when we talk about key performance indicators. The fourth one is about market intelligence, to be aware of growth trends and profitability, be intentional as well about the money that you're going to spend on learning and development and R&D. Your skills and systems as an entrepreneur are often the biggest bottlenecks to growth. And be intentional as well about investing in things that you need to be better at rather than in things that you're already good at and how this is going to grow your business's revenue and profitability. We often talk about the zone of proximal development, which is uh, Lev Vygotsky's um, framework for looking at support constructs that help us move from what you can do to what you can't do. And 
often we stay in the zone of achieved development, what you can do. And we avoid like the plague, uh, current things that are currently beyond reach. So where you want to be operating is in the zone of proximal development. That's just outside your comfort zone where you look at growing your competence and confidence. And quite often that is particularly around technology and areas of expertise in marketing and sales. So get the help that you want. That's the places to hire in terms of um, building a team. But it's also the areas to grow yourself as a person, uh, as an individual. Finally, let's look at the decision point. So you've done some planning, you've looked at enablers and you've weighed up some of the options. So the final step, once you've done the audit on your time and tasks, once you have visibility on your key performance measures, that's to decide where you're going to start. Your leverage strategy can be multifaceted. Just make sure you're tackling the highest leverage things first. Start with a good hard look at the real on the ground way that your business operates within the areas and functions that are personal and strategically important to you, your customers and to your business. Then think of the roles and positions that are really key to delivering to those. Ask yourself the question, if these key positions were vacant tomorrow, how would it affect the business? Because at the moment you're probably filling them. But if you stopped doing those things and you handed them over, how much difference would it make? Furthermore, identify key competences, skills and success factors that are critical to the people in those roles to do the job effectively. Now, if you're the founder and CEO of your business, it can be incredibly hard to hand over the baton to those other people since you're used to doing things for yourself. You're used to doing it all yourself and doing it your way. So it's quite hard to give up that control. It can feel like you're losing control. And also, a lot of the things we do are often done intuitively and they're not necessarily pinned down as a workflow that someone else can take up and run with. And so this is sometimes what holds people back from outsourcing because that's your good starting point because you can make your own work more efficient by pinning down some what we call SOPs, standard operating procedures. And that's really just literally fancy term for a workflow, a step by step. Planning for growth requires a new mindset and new ways of working. That's why there are those steps to next level growth, because there's some big changes that have to happen. So sometimes it's transactional, sometimes it's transitional. But if we want real transformative next level growth, we have to do things differently. There's an important personal and emotional level that often requires a mindset shift. Once you have a team, your business can really take off. And when you've built up a successful company, you've put your heart and soul into it, blood, sweat and tears. It's entirely normal to want that to be recognised, maintained and continued by anyone that you hire. At the same time, few markets are static and every business needs to innovate at some point. It's part of risk management for future growth. Developing a culture of innovation, creativity and collaboration can make things really fun and take some of the pressure off you as the sole problem solver and ideas person. So if you don't have a lot of leverage in your business right now, if you don't have systems, you don't have teams, then the first thing that you can focus on is to free up some of your time. So number one, identify your high leverage processes. Create templates for repeat emails and documents that you create. 
start to really pin it down, get more efficient, and then you're in a position to hand it on. Number two then is to simplify, delegate and automate. And number three, at the same time as that, implementing time-saving systems and tools. So everything is pulling in the right direction and you're really driving your business flywheel as fast as you possibly can. I hope that's been helpful. I love this stuff, as you could probably tell. I can go deep. I can go wide. I absolutely find this fascinating. And often it's about creating that strategy for yourself. So if you need some help with that, please don't hesitate to book yourself in for a strategy discovery call. And we'll look at identifying your goals, your needs, what's the bottleneck, and really clarifying what the path is for your next level growth steps. Take care. Ciao, ciao for now. Thank you for listening to the Leverage Business Podcast. Want to create leverage in your business? Did this episode provide some insights and ideas to be thinking through? If so, subscribe so you get alerts when the next one's released. If you want to learn more or would like help and support with building a leveraged business that achieves true freedom for you, then head over to jallison.com forward slash podcast to find all the resources and links that go with this show on my website and to join our iSuccess community. And if you're enjoying our content, it would be great if you could pop into Apple Podcasts or the app you listen from and leave me a rating and review. Everyone makes a difference to improving our rankings. So thank you if you've done that already. I appreciate you. So hey, that's it. Thank you for listening. I hope you've loved this episode and have some great takeaways to be thinking through. I wish you a pleasant, productive and profitable week. And I'll see you again next time for another episode of the Leverage Business Podcast.